So, last week we were talking about the Lord's Prayer. The last thing we ended on was deliver us from evil, right? And we got into a little bit of a question as to what delivering us from evil was about. Some deep theological waters. And I figured we'd jump in a little bit further into those waters. You go to the next slide. So, so the question here was Ezekiel 18.23 says, God does not want to see any of the wicked perish. He'd be happy to see them turn their life around. My answer to whoever said, God doesn't want the wicked to be saved, etc. Um, so who said last week that God didn't want the wicked to be saved? Did Joel say that? No, I don't think he said I don't think Joel wicked. said that. I don't think any of you said no. that. I think I said that. <laughs> so I said it as a kind of... Um, come on. All right. I didn't... I said it, but not because I believed it. It was more of a kind of... What's it called? Question for... Church's argument or... Um, trying to get you to think about something. And this says... This is Calvinism. <laughs> it's very unclear. So, uh, total use of social media, I engaged in uh, the first screw-up ever. Here, what is that? Your. How many people know that the word your is a dangerous word? Nope. Your is like two for me. I screw that up all the time. How many different ways can you say two? There's T-O, there's T-W-O, there's T-O-O, and it's like, when do you use which? When do you use which, Ria? Who knows, right? The T-W-O is the number two. It's the number two. What is T-O-O? Too much. Too much. And T-O is I'm going to the store, right? But you can mix them all up, especially when you're engaging in social media and you don't do things correctly. Here, I miss this one, right? I see your point is really, what should I have written? Maybe it was autocorrect. No, it wasn't autocorrect. It was just me messing it up. Right. Oh, you are. Right. You, you are. I see you are point. I see you are point. You are a point. You are a point. <laughs> no, that was a mess up too. I see you, your point. It should have been Y-O-U-R. So, so this thing about Calvinism and total depravity and tulip and all this stuff comes down to the question of how God delivers us. How many of you guys have ever heard of the term Calvinism? What is Calvinism? <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me ask you this. Do we believe in Calvinism? No. no. Well, I don't know. Mm. Go, to the, go to the next one. So, then there's this. I'm sure you guys never heard of this one. Armenianism. Armenianism. What in the world is Armenianism? People, people of Armenia. <laughs> <laughs> from people from Armenia came. No, nothing to do with Armenia. Um, so we've got to take it all the way back. Okay, so take it all the way back. People living in their caves with the dinosaurs, right? What? Did, did the cave? Did the cave dwellers live with the dinosaurs? No. 
Did they? It's, no, you got that's, very that's actually... Did the cave dwellers do, dwell with the dinosaurs, Ray? Some dinosaurs. How do you know? I don't know. I'm just shaking my head. <laughs> what do you think, Rhea? I don't know. Did Adam and Eve live... Okay, well, I'll say that one. Did Adam and Eve live with the dinosaurs? No. No? no? For a little. Well, I guess... This is taking us far afield. No! Because God made all the creatures, and then... Yeah. Because, like, the dinosaurs, I guess they could have been there. <laughs> all right, we're not going to get into that debate. But the point is, right, there was a time where human beings, most human beings... We're worshiping what? Let's let's go back to our country. Rams. What country is that? America. America. Where did our grandparents come from? India. 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 What is the majority religion in India? Asia. Huh? Hinduism. And what do Hindus believe? Different gods. They believe in different gods, but what what is their view of salvation? Reincarnation. So, if I get reincarnated after living a terrible life where I beat people up, I beat little kids up just for fun. Is that child abuse? That's you know I did all kinds of things. Then I was a terrible person. I die. What happens to me? You reincarnated as a bug. You I reincarnated as a bug. <laughs> or a cat. <laughs> or a cat. <laughs> <laughs> or a dog. <laughs> no, but I, I reincarnated it as the cat of some like cat haters oh. pet, you know. So it was. The point is, what's the point? Right? Is that how do you judge whether I was good or bad? Who knows? Based on my actions, right? There is a thing called dharma. <gasps> dharma. Yeah, Rhea can pronounce it correctly. I can't. <laughs> dharma. Is a set of rules, right? <laughs> Go ahead. I was gonna ask, so like, do they believe that like animals reincarnate as humans? Because like, how do you judge a good animal? You know, from a... I'm not an expert in Hinduism. <laughs> <Bad animal. laughs> although, although I might look like an expert in Hinduism, <laughs> I am not an expert in Hinduism. I wouldn't know about the animals, but for the humans, I know they have this thing called dharma, right? Which is a set of rules. Every caste has a set of rules. That's why you have this complicated caste system. Like, there's a caste of the cell phone watchers. That means, like, while any meeting is going on, they have to be looking at their phone the entire time. That's the caste of the cell phone watchers. And they have a dharma, right, that is a set of rules that they have to follow in that organization, right? And if they deviate from that, their karma... You heard, the word, you heard of the word karma? Their karma goes bad, right? So the karma is like a point system... And uh, Dharma is the rules. So the game, life is like this video game, and you're building up what? Points. You're building up your positive points, and you're trying to avoid your negative points. At the end, it's tabulated. Positives and negatives. If you're net 20, next life will be a little bit better. You, you, you know, if this life you were a beggar and a homeless person, next life... You'll be uh, lower middle class, <laughs> right? In this life, you are poor. Next life, you'll be better because you're building up your karma, right? And they, their whole system is based on that. So they can say, like, okay, why does this person have bad luck in their life? Oh, it's because they were bad in their past life. They're building up. They have to build up um, their rewards for God. 
So where is their so their rule system is all based on who? Who is the one who is building up their points? Who's building the points? The person. Right? It's all up to you. If you're going to get a better life in the next life, or you're going to have a worse life in the worst life, who's it up to? Is it up to anyone else? No. It's up to me. And if my life is bad, whose fault is it? My fault. Right? If my life is good, whose fault is it? Or who's, who's got the, the credit? Me, right? All up to the person. The person is the one who achieves it. So, so that is kind of the religions. A lot of religions have that kind of um, philosophy. Then you have classic Judaism. Maybe when Jesus was talking to the... Um, Jesus was talking to who? The people on the... On the mount, right? There was a group of people there, probably called Pharisees. And what do you think the Pharisees' viewpoint on this was? Might be a little bit vaguer. What do you think? Did the Pharisees have Dharma and Karma? No. What did the Pharisees have? Sacrifices. It's sitting on your book, on your table. The Bible. The Bible. What part of the Bible? The Old Testament. What part of the Old Testament? The no, Matthew. 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 There's some Leviticus. Leviticus. Okay, that's one. That's one of them. Proverbs. Exodus is good. We got two. Genesis. Genesis three. What else? The first, the first five. five. The first five. The first five. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Excellent. Good job, Aaron. Um, Twenty-four-year-old. He knows pretty well. So, first five books of the Bible, known as the Law, right? And remember, we talked about like how do you make the law work in your modern day, right? So they didn't have a car when Moses was writing the the Torah, right? They they didn't have a car. So now on. So he said. On the Sabbath day, what are you supposed to do, Aaron? Not work. what? On the Sabbath day, on Saturday, on the Sabbath day, what are you not supposed to do? You're not supposed to work, right? So if I'm in my car and I want to go to synagogue, am I allowed to drive? No. Well, how do you know? Wait, but isn't walking... Well, that's the point. We had this discussion. The point is, right, the, the rabbis came up with a set of rules to interpret the Old Testament. So you have the first five books of the Bible, then they have, like, mountains and volumes. It's called the Talmud. If you want to go see a Talmud, you can just look it up in the Google. It's like a library. It's like 12 books based on the first five. And it's an interpretation of all those five books, right? And they're saying that unless you follow this Talmud, which is explaining this, this law, you are not following the law. And if you're not following the law, what are you doing? You're disobeying God. You're angering God. So that's why when Jesus doesn't wash his hands when he's supposed to, he is violating their rule. When he heals somebody on the Sabbath day, they're angry. Why? Because he's doing something that they, they didn't want him to do. But there, again, who is in charge here? Is God in charge or is the person in charge? Person. The person is, right? So it's up to the person whether you're following your rules or not. 
whether you're doing it or not, whether you're going to heaven or not. It's not up to who? God. God just gave you the book. You figure out how to interpret it. You figure out how to follow it. You know, you decide whether on the Friday you can touch the elevator letters. All right, see you later, right? And, or not. That's how you prove to God whether you're good or bad. It's all up to you. So, who is delivering us? So Jesus says, deliver us from evil. According to Hinduism, according to Judaism, God doesn't have to deliver you. You need to deliver yourself, right? So, fast forward after Jesus died and he resurrected from the dead and the church formed and (laughs) there was a church. What... Eventually, there were believers and followers went throughout the world. Some went to India. Who, who brought Christianity to India? Thomas. Thomas, right? That's why 98% of Malayalis, their last name or their first name or their middle name, my name my is, last name is John. Thomas, right? Because there's so many Thomases, right? So there's a Philip and there's a Thomas or there's a Joseph. Anyway, that's another problem. So there's a lot of Thomases in the world. And they're all in Kerala. But, so, so that's why, right? But so the religion went out throughout the world. Um, but in the Western world, in Italy, in Rome, in Great Britain, in France, in Spain, what became the dominant religion? Catholicism, right? The Catholic Church had, and now we're fast-forwarding all the way to the Middle Ages, Catholic Church had a system in charge now, this is where it gets a little complicated. Catholics believed that babies, if they weren't baptized, or what happened to them? They go to it's called, a place called limbo, right? Limbo, right? Because they weren't baptized. Because you, you have to do something to get your ticket into heaven. They even had a system where Christopher, I'm just going to pick on you because you're in the room. Christopher dies. And I'm a little afraid. This Christopher ate a little too much junk food in his life. The Bible says don't eat too much junk food. Christopher ate way too much junk food in his life. So I'm afraid, Rhea, that Christopher is in purgatory. How do I get you out? Baptize. You could buy. I could buy, right, exactly, right? They were selling something called indulgences. Uh, they were called, it's called indulgence. So the guy would go around to churches and he'd say, Aaron, if you give me $5,000, I will call it into God on my phone and say, God, Aaron just gave me $5,000. Is he good for it? Yeah, he, he just, it's, it's in my bank account right now. Okay, then God would be like, okay, all right, the check is in the mail. Get it. Wait, there's a mail? Now you can go to heaven. Wait, there's a huh? mail in heaven? It's a metaphor. I am making a joke to make it interesting. But the point is, right, that is what gets you out of purgatory. Again, it's not Jesus dying on the cross. Think about how crazy this is, right? It's not Jesus dying on the cross. It's Eric giving the church some money so that you can get out, right? This was very irritating to one German guy who was a monk and a priest. This German guy was mad when he was hearing about this. And what was that German guy's name? What was his name? What was his name? Sam. You guys shouldn't say it together. What was his name? Sam. In the Middle Ages. You guys didn't learn European history. Come on. 
You know it. We're not German. Wasn't he burnt? No, he wasn't burnt. Is he still alive? Jaw? No. Okay. Harry. Harry. His name wasn't Harry. Okay. Harry Potter. Who was the leader of the civil rights movement in the 20th century? With civil rights. In America. Oh, Wait, the Martin. civil war? Martin? <laughs> Martin Luther King no, no. is, but, but Martin Luther King Martin. wasn't the guy who with the middle, in the middle ages did this. No, because Martin. Martin Luther King died in the 1960s. So obviously he wasn't it, but who was it? It was Martin Luther. Oh, Martin Luther. You guys don't know who Martin Luther is? <laughs> I do. You've heard of him before? I do. There's plenty of churches called Lutheran about. churches, right? They're Lutherans. You've heard of Lutherans? Published his text against the church. Yes, he wrote a whole list of grievances. So, like, you kids, right, if you get tired of your parents, you just write a whole list of 96 things. My dad makes me um, do this. He makes me do my homework. And he, he does do this. He day. makes me do the chores all day. Then he writes it all down. No and then he takes it to my door and he staples it <laughs> to my door. Well, who would staple If Sam did that, I, don't even have I would read it very cobbly. <laughs> <laughs> and I would consider his statements cobbly. I, I, I don't even have. And then I would nicely crumble it into a ball my and put it in the trash. But it in the point trash. is, Luther had a problem with this. My stapler, my stapler doesn't so even have staples. Yeah, he was German. He was a German monk who broke with the Catholic Church, and he started. Now you're right. You, your initial thought was he must have been burned. So normally, <laughs> no, normally anybody who does that gets burnt. <laughs> but and, and in the Middle Ages, right? Because he's, you know, it's, they didn't have things like human rights like we understand it now. They why didn't he get burned at the stake? It's because he had big rich landowners, nobility on his side. So the Holy Roman Emperor in Germany, and I don't have to get into it. Tolerate. He, he, no, he, he did, didn't really tolerate him. It's just that he had people on his side. He got he had armies on his side, and they were like, okay, we're not going to go to war to this. But there was plenty of wars, and there's all kinds of wars in Europe. Point is, after Luther, he had his own ideas. There's another reformer. There's two reformers who are also part of this, who are part of this break from the Catholic Church, and started uh, a new kind of church, which we are also part of, known as Protestants, Protestants right? Because we are Protestants, right? We're Pentecostal. We're all, a lot of things, but right? That, that break is the Protestant church. Different denominations started. Lutherans were the inside. Calvinists became eventually, you can see them now, Baptists. Have you heard in Kerala the group called Brethren? Mm -hmm. They're part of that group, Calvinists, Brethren. So we would be more in this group, the Arminians. But our, our Arminian is like a weird term. So uh, another guy who's more famous than Arminius. Oh, yeah, not <laughs> We're getting there. There's a lot of the, yeah. It's think of it like a branching tree. A tree breaks and breaks and breaks. So so a person who followed him was called John Wesley. You've heard of Wesley, John Wesley? Then there's a whole group of churches known as Wesleyan churches, right? So, oh, like yeah. Wesleyan. Yeah. yeah, like, isn't there a ch ch uh, university in Texas? Yeah, Wesleyan something. Wesleyan something, right? Come on. College week is this Friday, right, or something? I don't know. I don't know. Somebody's playing football. College? Oh. They call it football, even though they spend most of their time holding it in their hands. Ridiculous. Anyway, that's a different problem. Uh, 
should they run, but they but they're holding it in their hands. Why is it called football? And then they tackle. A proper they football. <laughs> You're proper football, your football is soccer. Yeah. But anyway, Wesleyan Church, their kind of an outgrowth of them was a holiness movement, and eventually in the 19th century, early 20th century, a group of these holiness people met together in California in a place called Azusa Street. Azusa Street, remember? No? No. You guys need to Google all of this stuff I'm saying because it's true. I have not made it up. It's called Azusa Street. In the early 20th century, a group of people came together in a place called Azusa Street, and they were reading Acts, and they read about the Holy Spirit and being filled with tongues. And for the first time in a long time, people started speaking in tongues. The Pentecostal movement started there and in different places, in Topeka, Kansas. Some of those guys... One of them, whose last name was Cook, all of us call him Cook Sipe, <laughs> right? Came to Kerala and started his own church, and then eventually a church of God and IPC or something. But this is all just to explain. There's this big break in about 400, 500 years ago between these guys and the Calvinists, and they're both dealing with this challenge that they found. They didn't like the Catholic belief, unlike you know paying someone's way out, because why, their fundamental issue is, why did Jesus have to die for us? Right, because the Hindus didn't need Jesus, the Jews don't need Jesus, Muslims don't need Jesus, what do they all tell you? We don't need Jesus, what, why, why don't they need Jesus? They'll just do it themselves, exactly, good point, they just do it themselves. Christians need Jesus to deliver us, right? Jesus, Christians need who? Jesus. Other religions don't need Jesus. We need Jesus. But most of the time, the message I hear is, you just got to be good. You got to be really good. <laughs> you've got to be, you've got to follow 800 rules, make sure you're good. In order to get remember them. 800? Well, you got to, because it's up to you, right? So, what they'll say is this five points. And this is, uh, the first one is T. T is total depravity. What is total depravity? Total depravity. Depravity. This is SAT. It's good for you guys. Depraved, like when you're depraved, aren't you like you're missing something? You're missing one? Like something is away, taken over. Like, I deprave you of your right to... Like, no, that's your thing of deprive. Deprive. Deprave. Selfishness. And evil are written into our DNA. We cannot save ourselves. We need Jesus. So, there was... This actually comes back to another guy from North Africa in the like 500s. His name was Augustine. And Augustine's big... The Roman emperor? No, not... You're thinking of Constantine. <laughs> Augustine, Saint Augustine, um, was another church father, right, who wrote important stuff. But his main thing was, what is the problem with human beings? If I go to any human being in their natural state, what will I find in their natural state? Will I find good things... <coughs> I mean, if, you know, the thing Neutral. is, like, my kids are beautiful, innocent angels, <laughs> but 
Will they lie sometimes? Maybe. Sure. Will they hit each other sometimes? Maybe. Sa- sa- si- hit me. <laughs> <laughs> Will they blame each other? That never happens. That never happens. Sailor hits me, and then she goes to tell on me. She says, Savvy was being mean, so yeah. it hit one of the innocent kids. So, who <laughs> taught them to be like that? Sailor. <laughs> <laughs> Sailor's four years old. Sailor didn't teach you how to be like that. You, you should be teaching her. Anyway, that's a different problem. But, I didn't say punch me. Why did these kids turn out this way? Is it because their parents are bad? Don't say that. Don't say that. No. Why? Why did the kids turn out this way? Why did you turn out this way? Why did you turn out this way? You're total depraved. Totally depraved. You're totally depraved. That's Romans one, right? So you are just bad. You're wicked from beginning. From the beginning, we are bad. And uh, there's a reason, there's a question, like Augustine's explanation for why we're bad, I don't exactly agree with him, but the point is, we inherited something from our parents. This is the original sin idea. Is this why they started baptizing like babies? Yeah, part of it, right? Original sin is like children are born with, not necessarily sin, right? Because a baby literally cannot sin, but... (laughs) A baby is born with a sinful nature, right? And that nature grows until you reach a certain point where you become accountable for your actions. It's called age of accountability, usually like 11 or 12 or 10 or, you know, whatever, right? There's an age where you become accountable for your actions. And well, all through that time, there's a natural aspect of you that is sinful, right? Sinful... Selfish, evil. Where did that come from? I don't... I think it's a little mysterious to me, but... Or do you think? Just look in the world. Do you find sin to be natural in the world? <laughs> Pretty much it's everywhere, right? It's everywhere. It's in everything. We find it in family, in friends, even in ourselves. In that, do we have any hope of... Getting out of it on our own. Yeah. Right. That is why we need something. No, no. Election. <coughs> Unconditional <coughs> election. Unconditional. No. Unconditional election. Um, so what that has to do with is we need the grace of God to, to save us. Now... If we read the Bible, and this is kind of going to the end, but we have to figure out the end. If we think about the Bible, is everyone saved or not? Does everyone get delivered, or do some not get delivered? Maybe. Some don't. Some? How many want to put up a vote? Neutral. Is it true that everyone is delivered, or is there some people who are not delivered? In the Bible itself, or based on what the the Bible is saying. What are you guys doing? (laughs) So, okay, it's real simple, right? Is everyone saved or not? Yes. Who knows? 
Is everyone saved? That's why Jesus died for everyone. So everyone is saved. Everyone. Those who don't accept him. That's why Jesus died for everyone, right? No? To take away all our sins. Oh, this, is, this is good. This is good. This is good. So this is good. I like this. Because everybody is saved. Everyone goes to heaven. Nobody goes anywhere else. But that's not a but then, people then, do sin. People do sin, but to be cleansed of your sin, you have to accept Christ. How far is the dimension in heaven? I don't know. That's why we talked about the wall last week. The wall is opaque. It's probably right here. It's probably like right here, but we right just can't here? see it. Yeah. It's right here, but we can't see it. Because it's behind a opaque wall. But anyway, let's, let's say, go with me here, that not everyone is saved. <laughs> because, so do, you think, uh, do you think nobody goes to hell? Nobody goes to hell? Yeah, that's my question. Well, Jesus died for everyone. Sure. Right? Well, but I, people do sin. Right. So obviously they go to hell. <laughs> so then who goes to heaven? But those everyone does not sin. Those are, okay, so now we're going back. We're going back to... So then if that's the case, then why did Jesus have to die for us? Right? To take that, all our sins. Because everyone sinned. Right. But even now. <laughs> but do we... Are we the ones that save us? Or does God save us? God saves us. Then does God... Can God save everyone? Maybe. He can. But it's our will. It's our will. Okay, so that's that's the question, right? So let's say unconditional election comes from the... There's a verse in the Bible that talks about those he foreknew (coughs) before the foundations of the world. Those he foreknew, he also predestined to receive his glory, right? And he's like, Jesus talks about my sheep hear my voice. Presumably because there are some sheep who aren't his sheep that don't hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice. The elect are the ones who are saved. There is this elect. Who is elected? What does elect mean? Choose. Right, I choose, right? I have have to choose between two two different things. I choose A versus B. B is not chosen, A is. So, before the foundations of the world, the Bible says, God foreknew, (coughs) he predestined those who would be saved. That's Ephesians, in Ephesians. So, if that's the case, that's an election that God did. Is that election unconditional or conditional? Unconditional. According to Calvinists. Why why do the Calvinists say it's unconditional? Why did So, unconditional as in like he chooses unconditional. Unconditional. God chooses who will be saved. Meaning they have nothing to do with it. Remember, because they don't have any ability to change, to change their ways. A person by themselves has no... Hey, guys. What do you do? How do you know all this? Unconditional election. Thank you, Benji. We are <coughs> incapable of being saved on our own, right? We need God to save us. God has picked the people he's going to save. Who is he going to save? 
That's the question. So unconditional election says we have no ability to save ourselves. God picks you. God picks you. God doesn't pick that person. And does any of us have anything to do with it? No, right? It's totally up to God. It's totally God's glory, God's grace. It's not something I can do. It's only something God can do, right? Joel? It's the unconditional election of God. If you go to, go to the next one, though, that contradicts with this one. Linked election. God is relational, not unilateral. His decision to save us and our response to him are grounded in relationship. So what, what is this linked election talking about? The linked election has to do... Our relationship with God determines that? It's a scroll. Right, so linked election is like this. God is choosing... When Ephesians talks about who he's going to predestine, it's that he knows who is going to accept him and who is not. Everyone has an opportunity to accept him. But not everybody will. Right? So even though I'm totally depraved and I have no way of salvation, God is going to choose everybody. God is going to give his grace for everybody. And the relationship, but God doesn't force himself on anyone. God is a, like we talked about yesterday, last week, God is a gentleman, right? God is not forcing anyone. God is looking for a linked election. God is looking for a relationship with us. So that is the big fight. Well, that's one of the big fights between these groups, Calvinists versus Arminians, is, well, if you're totally depraved, Chris, if you're totally messed up, if you're totally into your selfishness and wickedness, do, could you want to have a relationship with a God who's going to make you change your life? That's the question, right? That's why it's like, it's very subtle, right? It's a very subtle point, and a lot of us, we can fight, this is what people have been fighting about this for 500 years, literally. But you can see why it's a fight, right? Because, because they're going to, one group of people are going to say, look, God is calling for everybody, and he's looking for a relationship with everybody, and it's up to us to choose. But what if I'm not capable of choosing? Some of us are really messed up. And if you've seen this, right, you're seeing some really messed up people who suddenly follow Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And their life is turned around. How could that have happened other than a supernatural intervention in their life? So, it's not as easy. Although we, we are believing in this, and I believe, I firmly come down on this side. I'm not a Calvinist. But I want you guys to understand it, because it's important to understand what grace is about. And this fight helps us understand it. The Calvinists are wrong, but they're just a little bit wrong. Not totally wrong. I feel like we go too far. On the other side, because we don't uh, care about grace enough. What do you mean by a little bit? Well, I mean they. So what I what I feel sometimes is where the Bible has a lot of mysteries to it, right? Is God one or three? Some people will say he's one, too much, and that's wrong. And they'll say he's three, and that's wrong. It's two. It's a mystery. It's somewhere you know. Is Jesus man or Jesus God? He's both. But some, some people will say that's too complicated for my brain. So Jesus is either man 
Well, or Jesus is God. It's two. Those are all what's called heresy. <laughs> right? Those are all... What is heresy? Heresy is just believing the wrong thing. Go ahead. Yeah, so that we, we, we want to believe the right thing, right? But the right thing sometimes is a mystery. And we have to accept that it is a mystery. Some people try to fully, logically understand it. Right? That's why people love Calvinism. Even a close relative of mine considers himself a Calvinist. And I disagree with him, but they, they like it because it's so logical. I am such a terrible person. The only way I can be saved is unless God, unconditional, without anything from me, accepts me. Unconditional election. It makes some sense. The next point, it's like a Russian nesting doll. So we have one big doll, and you open that doll, and then you have unconditional election. Oh. Right? Then you open that one. But into that is the L, which is limited atonement. This is what gets people even more angrier. The angriest of them all, among a really nerdy group of people. <laughs> so you bring a bunch of nerds together, they'll be fighting about limited atonement for many years. Limited atonement. Sounds scary just thinking about it. Limited atonement is what um, Rhea was saying. Unlimited atonement is what we believe in, right? Christ died for everyone and redeem the sins of the world. First John 2, verse 2. Remember, we talked about that last week, when he said God was looking for everyone to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, right? <coughs> Jesus died for everyone. They say, who did Jesus die for? Some. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus died only for his elect, right? Because he says, there's a verse in John that talks about um, the shepherd dies for his sheep. Who is a sheep? The elect. Right? So he is only dying for that. Because Jesus' atonement is 100% perfect for those he is saving. Jesus saves. He can't lose. So if he's going to save you, he's definitely going to save you. So why would Jesus die for somebody who is not going to get saved? Is their argument. I'm not saying I agree with it, but you can see how there's a logic to it. So that's limited atonement. I think it's totally horribly <laughs> wrong. Of course Jesus died for everybody. But you can, that's what they're, 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 they're saying. But why would Jesus did it as an act of love for everyone, and that's why he died? But that's, uh, that's the L. The next one is irresistible grace, which is fighting with this one. Prevenient grace. This is all going to be... No, it's pre prevenient grace. That, that is, uh, God provides humanity with more than enough grace to recognize our need for him. So this has, this has to do with, again, how is Christopher, how is Aaron, considering the fact that you guys are totally depraved, how are you going to accept Jesus? How, unless his grace is irresistible overpowering, take over your life, over your will, right? The, what this is saying is God gives you not overpowering, not irresistible, but enough. Enough to be saved, right? God gives you enough to be saved is what we believe. <coughs> Calvinists say God gives everything you need to be saved. Why are we fighting about this? The reason why is... The fundamental problem is, is everyone saved? The Bible doesn't teach that. 
That's a sad thing. That's the tragedy of this whole thing. Jesus came and died for our sins, but not everyone is saved. Sorry, Ray. <laughs> that's, that's why there is a hell. That's why some people are unfortunately going there. Because some people are not saved, right? Some people are not delivered. And this fight has to do with that. So, is God's grace strong enough to overcome us? I feel like I want to say yes. And these guys say no, right? And again, I feel Calvinists... You guys are way too logical for your own good. You think this all makes sense, and it makes sense in a certain way, but it makes God out to be not the nicest person in the world. <laughs> you know, like, and I, I, I say this to them, and they're like, yeah, but it's what's in the Bible. But I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with them. So God's grace is enough for all of us to be saved. It's enough. It's enough, Aaron. It's enough, Sam. It's enough for us to be saved. <coughs> but it's up, to it's up to us. We God will never overpower us. And how that works, how, how is there any room for me to choose? This is a question of free will. And that's a debate that philosophers have been having for billions of years. If you actually think about free will, I'm not... The, a little bit, you realize how it's just kind of a slippery thought process. Like, like, why did I choose to eat Apple Jacks this morning instead of Cheerios? I don't like it. No. Apple Jacks. Well, why don't you like Apple Jacks? Apple Jacks is sugary. Like well, why don't you like sugary stuff? Who told you not to like sugary stuff? Or to like sugary stuff? I do like apple Where did that come from, right? Every thought came from a previous thought came from your parents, it came from your relatives, everything kind of leads on to this moment for you to make this choice. Look, how free were you in that decision? It's very, very weird to think about, right? I think that I believe in free will. And I think that we have the free will to make choices. How that exactly works is a little mysterious to me. I mean, do you feel like that's mysterious? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's mysterious, right? Like, where does it... I mean, you feel like you have, you're making choices all the time. Yes. Uh -huh. But do you feel like those choices were really made by you, or made, were they made by friends influencing you? I, How you felt that morning? Like, that's why I, peer pressure yeah. is a thing, right? Or, like, you know, I feel like the world really dictates a lot of the choices. Yeah. Like, uh, if... <laughs> it's going to sound bad. But if I go several hours without eating anything, I have a condition called diabetes. So if, you, if diabetics don't eat enough over a certain period of time, their blood sugar goes where? Down. When someone's blood sugar goes down, are they generally a, a nice person to deal with? <laughs> or could they sometimes have a bit of a short temper? <laughs> I mean, so why, you know, why did I have a short temper? Why did I, why did I get so angry at that moment? There's no reason for it. It's just because... Why did you? And I, my dad was like this. My mom was like this. My uncle's like Everybody. I, I don't know if you've ever had to deal with people like this. Like, for some reason, they're... Huh? <laughs> There's some reason they're very angry right now. And it's because they didn't have lunch yet. It was really the problem. <laughs> but it's like, how much free will was there involved? It's because you didn't have enough blood sugar in your blood, so your brain was... It was not happy. And so, wow, that got us off topic. But the point is, 
you have to make a decision to choose to eat and make yourself feel better. Right? I mean, there is a role for your own, your own part. The last part, so we believe in this. We don't believe in this sense of irresistible grace. The last part is important for us. Is, this is the, they call it I. A Calvinist call it P. Basic point is perseverance of the saints. So once we're in the Father's hand, absolutely nothing can snatch us away. Abide in me and I in you. So what is this about? This has to do with, again, remember the Russian nesting dolls? Total depravity means I need God's unconditional election, means Jesus only died for a certain group of people, meaning God's grace is irresistible. There's no way to fight it off. And if God saved me, if I had nothing to do with my salvation, will I have anything to do with the fact that I'm going to be saved at death? No. Right? What does that mean? If once I'm saved, I am always saved. That's what brethrens believe. We don't. <laughs> we definitely don't. But you see how that the logic is so beautiful, right? It's like you're terrible. God saved you. You're There's nothing you can do about it, and you'll always be saved. And God is in complete control. God is sovereign. This belief is God is sovereign. God is in control. God's will is in fully in charge. Why do bad things happen? It's because God has a bigger masterpiece. So everything bad that happens to you happens because it's part of God's greater masterpiece. Not because of somebody's bad choices. Because that would make because they feel like it's more comforting to say it's not someone's bad choices. It's because that has something, even that pain that that person causes has some greater beauty to it. There's a point to it. There's a point to everything. It's 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 very, very nice, but wrong. <laughs> It's nice, but wrong. I think I'm giving it as much charity. You know, have you ever heard of the term charity in arguments? You should always... You just acknowledge it. No, so charity when it comes to argumentation, and this is important when you're getting into an argument with anybody about anything, any disagreement. Should you take the weakest form of somebody else's argument and just beat it down? What's that, what's that called? Straw man, right? You know, that's like, oh, Calvinists, they just... Pick God just is a terrible person. He just picks people he wants to throw into hell. End of story. That's what you call a straw man. <laughs> Very easy to beat a straw man, right? What treating another person's <coughs> argument with charity means, I build it up as strong as I can. I think I, maybe they'll disagree with me, but I think I'm giving their argument the best it can, and I still disagree with it. So that last point, perseverance of the saints. Are we all... Definitely, if we're saved now, can we lose our salvation? Because what they'll say is, anybody who lost their salvation, when we talked about that Hillsong guy, <coughs> we hear all the time about people who lose their salvation. So how do they lose their salvation? By turning away. Well, under this system, how would they have lost their salvation? In how the did Calvinist? they? In the Calvinist. How would they explain it away, I guess, is the question. I mean, I would they say that it's a part of their process of, I guess, like, rediscovering God or something? Or? Well, there's a verse in First John, I think, that it says that those people who left us were never part of us. So they were never saved. They were never saved. They always say that, right? So this person who gave up Jesus and became an atheist, they were never saved. They had some fake belief. 
<laughs> they, they thought they believed. But, and, and, you know, there, there is some truth to that, because there are some people, maybe they really weren't saved, and they, they lost their salvation very easily. Like, their, their, their faith, when it started, was a pretty weak one, right? They went to church, were dead among, someone threw some water at them when they were 13. At 18, <laughs> they left, and they never came back. Did that person lose their faith? Questionable, right? Yeah. You know, questionable. Uh, whether that person actually lost their faith, I think it's closer to they probably never would be. But, but I think that it is dangerous to think that your salvation will be there forever, no matter what. Because we read those verses in Hebrews, right? What is it? Hebrews, we, we read last week. About the flame. Huh? Yeah. He said, if any person... Continues in Hebrews chapter. Let's go to let's go to Hebrews chapter six. Um, Hebrews chapter six. Mm, oh yeah, um, six verse. Twenty-one. Mm, okay, six verse four. Twenty-one. It is impossible for those who have once been. Enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have, uh, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again, and subjecting him to public disgrace. Hmm. And that that goes on that goes with the stuff from chapter we talked about last week. What is that? What is it saying? Are there people like this walking around in this world? Maybe. Like big zombies. Like they're just what kind of food does zombies really hate? Fast food. <laughs> what they do, like the brains. That was way off topic. <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, sorry. Therefore, let us... Baby, my blood sugars go dead. Therefore, let us leave. The, no, no, we're, we were at five... Four. Six, six, four, right. It is impossible. Those who once have been enlightened. Enlightened received God's knowledge, tasted the heavenly gift. Sounds like they've been saved. This is why I feel like these guys are wrong. I, I don't know how they, you know, they, there's all this kind of like massaging of verses that goes on. What? I don't know how they massage this. You know, they kind of have a broad interpretation of the verse to make it fit their theological system. I don't know how you deal with this one. It's impossible. For those who have once been enlightened, so they've been enlightened, they have tasted the heavenly gift, how do you taste the heavenly gift unless you're saved? I don't know. Unless you're truly saved. Unless you're truly saved, right? Who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, even received the Holy Spirit. And even received the Holy Spirit. Who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age. Wow. What happens? If they mm. fall away. 
to be brought back to repentance. Because of their um, yeah inheritance, right? To fall away, to be brought back to repentance. A person who's been saved, been baptized, been filled with the Holy Spirit, received the enlightenment of God. Can that person fall away? Maybe. It seems like you can. Because oh yeah, right, right, right. Because to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again uh-huh. and subjecting him to public disgrace. Mm, I would <laughs> serious <laughs> business. <laughs> Hebrews, man, he, he, Hebrews is a serious, <laughs> serious book. You should read Hebrews mm-hmm. and, and and realize it's serious business, right? Mm-hmm. And the point is, don't crucify Jesus again. Can you lose your salvation? Yes. <laughs> so, you, Calvinist, your your final nesting doll is wrong. I don't see how you can get out of this. You guys can come up with any interpretation you want. It's wrong. It's just not gonna happen. So he says, "Abide in me, and I in you." Once we're in the Father's hand, absolutely nothing gets snatched away. He'll never forsake us. Will Jesus ever forsake us? No. But can we forsake him? Sure. The question I have to ask you. Or anybody, do we have to be afraid of this verse? About losing our salvation? Do we have to be afraid that we, we are this person? Oh, well, <laughs> if you've built your faith on a truly you know, strong foundation, then you really shouldn't lose your faith. Be worried, yeah. But I mean, if. Should anybody be worried about this? Because this is somebody, a lot of people will read this verse. And genuinely be worried. <coughs> and if anybody is worried, let me tell you, don't be worried. Because the reason why I say don't be worried is the fact that you're worried shows that you have faith. That you have faith, right? That you haven't fallen away. Oh, yeah. Because you wouldn't be worried unless you believe it. You know, so that that's the thing. So nobody is actually this person. Um, what he's saying is, he was talking to, it actually is in the title of the book. What's the title of the book? Warning Against Falling. No, no, the title of the whole book. Oh, it is the Bible. Hebrews. <laughs> Hebrews. 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 Who are Hebrews? Chapter 10, verse 6. Huh? Hebrews. Uh, not coffee. Who are Hebrews? <laughs> Hebrews. Hebrews? Hebrews coffee. Hebrews is he Bruce Who are Malayalis? Indians. Indians. Who are Malayalis? Asians. Why would somebody be called a Malayali? If I said, you're a Malayali. Uh-huh. Fundamentally, it's, man. <laughs> fundamentally, a Malayali is somebody who is either Asian. someone who speaks Malayalam. Uh-huh. Or Asian. Or is descended from people who speak Malayalam? Because I'm a, I, I guess I call you call me a Malayali, but do I? Can I speak Malayalam? Uh, my my wife will makes fun of me every time. I'm trying to. So the point is, Hebrews are the people who speak Hebrew. Hebrew, right? Or they are descended from people who speak Hebrew, right? And another term of them is Jews, right? I just call them Jews, but. The Bible calls it, this is called Hebrews, right? So what Hebrews is a letter written to a bunch of churches that are made up of people who were Jewish Christians. Jewish Christians. 
these Jewish Christians were facing some uh, conflict with their families and their communities. They're saying, you've rejected Judaism and you've become Christians. They were facing persecution. So some of them were thinking of doing what? Going back. Right? They were thinking about going back. So that, the, the writer here is warning them, saying, you are coming to church every Sunday. I think it's, it was Sunday. You were filled with the Holy Spirit. You were baptized. You were following Christ. Stanford. I know you're going through persecution now. But you don't want to go back. Because if you do go back, you'll be crucifying Jesus. It's a warning to them with his finger pointed. Literally, I can feel the finger pointed. <laughs> his finger pointed, don't go back.